And they asked that this be short. I know that Kimberly came with Becky a few times to service and just some of the memories I have. She has a sense of humor because I saw her laugh at me a couple of times. So I know that she did have a sense of humor and she did have an infectious smile. And, and uh, so I was asking John and Becky and just asking what they would want from this service. And so what I give you today is uh, what Becky has requested, but is, is also from my heart. And uh, so I pray that as you listen to the words that I share with you for just a few moments, we're not going to be here very long, but I would ask that you don't shut me off, but I do ask that uh, you just listen to some of the things that God has, and, and I pray that it can be a help to you. I know that, um, I know Kimberly, just like so many others, like to have a party life and, and like to enjoy the alcohol and the times, and, and, but I also know that she was fighting it and at times wanted to give that up. And, and I'm sure there's probably others that are sitting here today that feels much like she did. And I just want to share some things from you, from the Word of God and and from my heart today, and pray that it can be a help to each one of you today as we sit here for just a few moments. One of the things we might not understand is that God truly understands where you're at. He also understands the power of alcohol and drugs, and He understands the power of, of addiction, whatever it may be. And, and He tells us in the Scripture and gives us some very vivid descriptions of this and gives us a warning too. He, he tells us in Habakkuk, in one of the Old Testament chapters and in, in uh, books of the Bible, in chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest the bottle to him, and makest him drunk also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. You know, he goes on in Proverbs 23 and verse 20 and says, be not among wine-bibbers, which are drunkards, among riotous eaters of flesh. That's those that are gluttonous. And you know he's describing, he's describing someone that gets drunk or gets high and then uh, has the munchies and gets hungry. And, and here he's saying, we just don't need to be a part of that. And God does understand, and, and God wants us to understand that we just don't need to be around that. And for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. You know, you, many of you probably have parents that have asked you not to do that. And they know, and you know, that they pray for you and that they care about you, and they just don't want you to do that. Some of you might not have parents that have done that, but I want you to know that God in all of his love and his mercy, he's saying, please don't do that. Just don't do it. You know, there's something that he offers that is far better than that. And he does understand because he goes on in Proverbs 29 and, and I have to say that I've been here too. And I understand these things and I understand how they can get such a hold on us and he says in Proverbs 23 and verse 29, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? 
who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, and who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yet thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shall thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. You see, God wrote that. And God understands the cycle. God understands that we go and then we think, man, we got to have this and have a good time. And then you go and a little turns into a lot. And then all the inhibitions are gone and, and all the memories are lost. And then you wake up the next day and your head is pounding and your, and your mouth is cotton and you're, and you're sick at your stomach. And then you're wondering, what in the world did I do last night? And did I do something that was stupid? And... You know, God says that alcohol, you know what it always leads to? It leads to poverty, despair, sorrow, fights, depression, wounds, sickness, anger, loss of memory, loss of inhibitions, shame, embarrassment, guilt, low esteem, Feelings of worthlessness and futility. You know, in the last year and a half, I've buried, been a part of burying an 18-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 35-year-old, and a 37-year-old in the last year and a half. And I believe all but one was brought on by alcohol. All but one. And so I know that many of you may never come back, but I want you to know that God has something better. And my heart does go out to each one of you. And I want you to know, just as I told Kimberly, and just as Becky and John know, and just that many of you know, there is something better that you just don't need to go to that. And I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to, to, to uh, condemn. I'm just here to tell you that there's somebody in Morgan County that truly does care about you. And I want you to know that God can help you. And God can get rid of that void that you have in your heart. And, and, and you know what I find? I find that alcohol and the drugs or whatever the addiction is that becomes a, a way of life and, and, and becomes such a snare in our lives that, that we end up using that addiction to, to medicate our emotions and our feelings and, and our memories and our anxieties and, and, and tries to, to mask our anger that we have. And, and, and we end up, we, we start hiding behind this and, and pretty soon it has such a hold on us that, that now we're no longer hiding behind it, but, but it's pulling us out and, 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 and we're doing and, and, and living in a way that we're ashamed of and we 
truly do want to get rid of that of our lives, but we're, we feel like we're helpless and, we're, and there's no way that we can do that. But God can give you the path to help you with that. He does love you. Whether you have a good home or not, whether you had a good home or maybe you have some horrible memories of things that's been in your life and, and this is the way that helps numb that pain, I want you to know that God can help you with that. And so I beg of you, Becky and John beg of you today, don't be the next casualty. I, 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 don't, uh, I, I don't enjoy these at all. I uh, counted a privilege to be able to be a, a part of a family and, and in their best of times and even their worst of times. But uh, these things take such a toll on everybody. And I see the aftermath of this. And woe unto that guy that wants to make his living off of the booze and the, and the drugs and see so many get caught up in that trap. Woe unto that guy that does that. Those of us that take of this, those that do, I pray that you would understand that there's something different. And the second thing that they wanted me to talk about and what the Scriptures talk about is, is forgiveness. You know, a lot of times we run to the alcohol and the drugs because we have an unforgiving heart. And we're just mad. And we're angry. And we're emotional. We don't know why. And we end up doing things that, that we shouldn't be doing and having thoughts that we shouldn't. And look, we need to understand that the Scripture says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. That tells us that we're all together in this. Even Pastor Monday. I've been a pastor for 31 years, been in the ministry 31 years, and I still sin just like you do. I still have that same battle that everybody else has. And, and we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And, and the wages of sin is death, he tells us. And so we're all in this together. And whether it's me or you or, or Kim or even that young man that made the horrible decision to get behind the wheel and ultimately kill his friend. And sometimes we want this anger to be expressed on someone. We want to be so angry at someone for doing the same thing that we've done. You know what God says? Let's not hold on to that anger towards someone. You want to hate something? Hate that which killed her. The alcohol. The alcohol. I mean, hate Hate what it represents. Hate what it does to us. Hate what it... And look, I know you might say, well, it helps numb things, but look, there are better ways to take care of that. And God can help you with that. But you need to understand that, that we all are doing battles in our lives over, over things that are, that are trying to control us. And it doesn't matter who you are, we're all doing battle with something. You know, he even tells us in 1 John in chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, we're all in that condition. But it's what we choose to do with it. 
Do we live happily in our condition and, and live a lifestyle that I, I want you to know that that sinful condition represents this society and the world that we live in today. And I had a cousin tell me once, he said, I'm not worried and I'm not scared of hell because I already live there now. I want you to know that this is as good as it gets without Christ. It'll only get worse. And it only does get worse. Everything in this world represents death, represents sorrow, represents grief. Think about your life and think about the stresses that you have of working a job or, you know, some of you probably were stressed out because didn't have enough money for Christmas or maybe you spent too much money for Christmas and now you're hoping that the light company happens to overlook your bill as you forgot to pay it. <laughs> but everything about this world is just heavy. It is heavy. And I understand that and God does too and he wants us to know that we don't have to live in that and, and let that control our lives. He, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." You know, I noticed on social media just this past week, a couple of guys that I personally don't know them, but read their testimony that they had given of being free of the addictions. One guy was 269 days. He'd been free. Heard of another one that now has been 18 years who had cooked meth and had lived a wicked lifestyle and 18 years has been free. And I just celebrate with those guys in understanding that we can be bought out of that. And you know the word redemption has the idea of? And it says here that in whom we have redemption, that's in Christ. It's as if we are standing here and you ever been so hooked on something that, that you say no to it, no to it, and then pretty soon it just drags you away. And there you are right back in the cycle all over again. And it's like you're bound. It's like you've been... You have chains on your arms and your wrists and, and even your mind and it just hauls you away and, and there's no way that you can get out of it. And, and the redemption is a picture that, that is exactly what you have. I would be standing up here and, and I would be in chains and, 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 and I'm living in this body of sin and all this disgust and, and all of the, the embarrassment and all of the shame and, and here I stand and, 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 and I'm bound to that and Jesus comes and and he says, I want to buy you out of that market and, and out of that, that bondage that you're in. And, and I, want to, I want to buy you and purchase you out of that and, and give you something new in your life. And, and so the devil, the, the world system and all of this is saying, fine, well, what do you have that you're going to pay? And Jesus says, I paid with my blood. He loves us so much that he went to the cross and died on that cross so that it doesn't matter what sins that we have committed and, and, and what self-worth that, that you no longer have in your, in your own mind and in your own heart. And I want you to know that you are very valuable to God, valuable enough that He died on that cross for you. 
and that you, by faith, when, when you, you admit to God that you're, you're a sinner just like everybody else, look, look, as, as a believer and as a pastor and as a leader of the church, I sit here and I do not condemn anyone. And somebody wants to tell you that, you are believing a lie because I understand what sin does to our lives. And, and I've done this far too many times in, in my own ministry to, to, to be so arrogant to think that I am past these things but know that at any moment we can all make these kind of choices and, and, and but I realize that in all of this that, that that junk never loved me and those that were giving that to me never loved me they never cared for me and in, in uh, wanting me to go and do these things but Jesus Christ not only does he not want you to do that he gave you the path out of it and the way that he did so was dying for you I can't think of how humbling of a description you can give uh, in, in thinking about God Almighty coming and enveloping Himself in flesh and dying for me. For me. And I don't deserve that at all. And safe to say, none of us do. But He did it because He loves you. You may feel like you've never been loved in this world, but you are loved by someone out of this world. And it's God. And He loves you. And He died for you. And He wants to redeem you and buy you out of that bondage with His blood. You trust in Him. It tells us, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Doesn't matter who you are, it's whosoever. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how bad you think you are and that there's no way that God can save you. God saved Paul and he was a murderer. God saved David and he was an adulterer. Look at this, and this is why I love the story that he tells us in John chapter 8. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were the religious of the day. They were the ones that you would say were very judgmental. They were the ones that looked down their pious noses at everyone else. And, and they brought unto him a woman that was taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto her, him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such one should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Then it tells us when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. You see, as he sat there and he scribed in the ground, everyone realized that they sinned and they were too embarrassed because if they would have stood up, I'm sure God would have explained to the whole world what their sin was. And so they all disappeared. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. 
And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. When God redeems you, buys you out of the bondage, you know how he does that? When you by faith trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and they placed him in that tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead to show that he is God himself. And showed us that that sacrifice was sufficient to take away the wrath of God from all the sins of the world. Everything that has ever been committed, everything that will ever be committed in a sinful act, Christ died for it. Whenever we come to Him and we're open-hearted to Him and transparent with Him and admit to Him, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I know that Jesus died on that cross for me. And Lord, I ask that You come into my heart and save me. And Lord Jesus, become my Savior. When You do so with a heart of faith, He saves you. And He redeems you. And He gives you a better purpose in life. One that is supernatural. One that can't be explained by those in the world. And He gives you a joy that you never had before. And that void that you have in your heart, that dark spot that just seems to keep driving you back to those things that are keeping you in bondage, you're now free. You're free from that. Oh, it doesn't mean that the battle will be easy. But He can give you deliverance when you look to Him. When you do your part, He always does His part because He loves you. I end with these verses in Matthew chapter 11. I find them very comforting and read those often. And, and I know he's talking about salvation and that load of sin, but he also just helps us with all of our burdens. But Jesus made the statement. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The burdens that this world gives us is not, not light at all. And we know that. We see another casualty as we think about the life of Kimberly. And it's just time, it's just time that we stand up and so we just don't need to do this anymore. That are better, there are better things to do with my life and God gives you a purpose that you've never had in your life before and he gives you a joy. You know what's even better? He gives you a rest. He gives you a rest that you never had before. It is such a peace and such a comfort. Let us remember Kimberly and the good memories we have. 
But as I talk to her family, I am certain, I am certain that if Kimberly was able to come back right now and stand right here where I'm standing, I know what she'd say. She would say, trust Christ. Call on him today and enjoy the peace and the comfort that only he gives. Let's pray.